Thank you, Michael and Fiona. At this time, we will begin at the top of our bulletin, and we will sing together, Tell Out My Soul, which I will share with you on my screen as well to make it easy for us to sing together. And as a reminder, we all stay on mute, but we get to listen to Kathleen sing, which is such a treat.
Thank you for that, Kathleen and Caroline. We continue together in our bulletin, beginning on page three. You are no longer strangers or, and sojourners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Lord, open our lips and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Alleluia. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia, the Lord is risen indeed. Come, let us adore him. Alleluia. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the caverns of the earth and the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his and he made it and his hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee and kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. <clears throat> oh, that today you would hearken to his voice. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I have perplexity in my mind and grief in my heart day after day? How long shall my enemy triumph over me? Look upon me and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, lest I sleep in death. Lest my enemy saith, I have prevailed over him and my foes rejoice that I have fallen. But I put my trust in your mercy. My heart is joyful because of your saving help. I will sing to the Lord, for he has dealt with me richly. I will praise the name of the Lord Most High. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. A song of creation. Glorify the Lord, all you works of the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. In the firmament of his power, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, you angels and all powers of the Lord, O heavens and all waters above the heavens, sun and moon and stars of the sky. Glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, every shower of rain and fall of dew, all winds and fire and heat, winter and summer. Glorify the Lord, praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, O chill and cold, drops of dew and flakes of snow, 
Frost and cold, ice and sleet, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. The Lord, O nights and days, O shining light and enfolding dark, storm clouds with thunderbolts, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Let us glorify the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. In the firmament of his power, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. So reading from Genesis. God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw, and saw, the, place, oops, saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took a knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withhold your son, your only son from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament reading today, the Song of Zechariah. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers 
and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. My child shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And Alan, I believe you're reading Romans for us. Oh, okay. Thank you. From, from Romans chapter 6. Do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from the sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Together, we are going to sing a gospel acclamation. It's not printed in your bulletin, but I will share it on the screen. And it is one of those, if you can't see us, uh, you most likely know it. Um, so let me get that shared for you all. And we will again, all of us stay muted since Zoom does not play well. Uh, with singing, but we will have Kathleen and Caroline uh, singing for us.
Together, we continue in our bulletin with a reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus said, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The word of the Lord. I always feel drawn to the story of Abraham in any way in which it appears. He's a complex character, and I always find myself, when given the choice to go back to his story, so much so that I realized we read this story last summer at the end of June, the binding of Isaac, the sacrifice of Isaac. And yet this family and their story, the patriarch, of our faith, the Jewish faith, the Muslim faith, is so complex and so imperfect that I find a sort of fascination with it. We have Abraham and Sarah who have been promised descendants and yet find themselves barren. We have Abraham who ultimately lays with Hagar, births, fathers another son, And then the promise of God to him and Sarah is fulfilled. He then casts out Hagar and Ishmael to raise Isaac as his only son. But God promises a life for Ishmael as well. And then, after all of this, after the promised descendant that he has in Isaac, a voice comes to him and commands him to go on a three-day journey to a mountain to sacrifice his son. And I am left wondering, what sort of God is this and what sort of relationship with God is this? And Abraham complies. He takes his grown adult son. If you look at all the artwork of this scene, it's the adult Isaac with his father about to sacrifice him before God rewards him with a ram to sacrifice in his place. It is a complicated story. As one commentary noted, why in the world would we put this in the 22nd chapter of the Bible? Who wants to keep reading after this? It doesn't exactly tell you that this is a God you should believe and trust in. And yet it is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is fascinating about Abraham up until this story, and this is really the last great story of Abraham. I mean, he hangs around for a few more chapters, but we start to shift to look at the story of his descendants after this scene. Abraham, as you know, the father of the church, most of the time, second guesses God. God promises him descendants, and even though Abraham is in direct conversation with God, 
doesn't quite believe it, so much so that he and Sarah decide that they should find another way for Abraham to have a son, even though they have been promised that Sarah will bear children. At Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham argues with God. Abraham is not, up until this point, the model of faithfulness and obedience. He actually looks a lot more like us, second-guessing, doing the human thing of being uncertain of how God will act in this world and taking matters, frankly, into his own hands. In a way, that's what distinguishes the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham doesn't question God. And some argue that he probably should have. I mean, God asks him to sacrifice his son. Why does Abraham even believe that's truly the voice of God? There's a refrain in this particular passage where Abraham says, Here I am. It's the first time that we hear this in scripture. And we will hear it over and over and over. It is the phrase that the faithful servants of God use. Noah and Moses and Samuel and Jacob will all say, here I am. And at the end of his life, after everything that has happened, Abraham is marked with these words, here I am. He does not question God but goes on what must be a terrible three-day journey. As one commentary pointed out, we have to wonder who this story is written for. It's actually an appropriate question for us to always ask when we encounter our scriptures. Is this story written for the non-believer to come and encounter God and come to know who he is? Maybe the last few verses, but the beginning? Is that how you convince someone that this is a God they should pray to and believe in? This is not the story that you give to a new person to the faith. But as this commentary argued, it is instead a story for us who already believe and live in to this faith this world, this belief in God. What I think draws me to the story of Abraham over and over is how messy it is, how human it is, how much it mirrors our own lives, that things are not simple, that there is a clash so often between the ethics of how we should live and perhaps the faith we have lived or been told we should live or believe we should live that the world around us and our belief in God can come to a head and we are left with the most difficult of decisions. Or that we live in a world of unbelievable violence. That we live in a world where children indeed are dying. In some ways, we are called to not sanitize this story. 
to sit with Abraham and to sit with Isaac on the three-day journey towards death. What in the world could Abraham have been thinking? Now, theologians, Christian and Jewish, have done what I call theological gymnastics to work their way around this story. Kierkegaard, in particular, a Christian theologian, spends a good deal of time working his way between the ethical and religious dilemma of this story. Supposing and believing that this is a story that speaks of Abraham's faithfulness. This is actually the first time Abraham's faithful to God. Is the first time he actually does what God tells him to do. And that Abraham was only able to do that because he had to believe this was a test and that God in the end would not truly require the sacrifice of Isaac. And that the ethical choice to not kill someone and the faithful choice to do what God tells you would ultimately come to a place of meeting and resolution. In the end, it ends up for many people and many theologians being a story of Abraham's faithfulness, which makes sense if you see it in light of him for the first time saying, here I am, and that being the mark of faithfulness for prophets throughout scripture. Others question whether or not this whole story is really the voice of God. Some rabbis comment that we don't really know if this was God commanding Abraham to sacrifice his son, and perhaps the test was for him to fight this untrue voice. But in the end, God is there, and God saves his son. I am left in the midst of this theological gymnastics wondering what in the world we should do with this story. That I see the world around us, the pandemic, the racial tension, the history of violence behind us. And I recognize it's not a sanitized version of scripture that we need. The story raises anxiety Anxiety for the choice that Abraham has to make. Anxiety for the choices we have to make in our own world. Of how to faithfully live into our scriptures and our commandments with God. How to ethically live in the world and how to challenge both. When they are incongruent with each other. The task before us is not an easy one. It is not simple and clean-cut. In many ways, we always are hearing the scripture against a backdrop of their own political times. Part of what's remarkable about this story is the end of human sacrifice. In many ways, there's something to be applauded and uplifted. That this is a change, and this is happening against a tension that's happening in the society of Abraham, the society in which this is being written. What sacrifice is appropriate? It's a change that is taking place, and scripture is marking that change through this story. Ultimately, God's action 
is a demonstration of God's move away and away and away from violence. I remember speaking with a rabbi about the stereotype of the God of the Old Testament, a false stereotype that God is a God of violence. And he pointed me to this passage to say, humanity is violent. At the very beginning, God is calling us away from it. I admit I am left in a place of uncertainty. I'm not sure I have a great resolution for us today. But as I am spending several hours each week with our class on sacred ground, talking about racial violence and the history of slavery, the history of people of my skin color killing and enslaving others because of their race, as I watch our world struggle with this pandemic and this disease where thousands of lives are being lost. I know we do not live in a clean-cut world where the path forward is always easy or clear. From Abraham and this story, we are given an incredibly personal story of faith of one's own wrestling with God, perhaps one that was never meant for mass consumption. But we see Abraham's agonizing journey, a journey that challenges himself as a father and as a follower of God. And in that glimpse, we cannot turn away from the horrors of what happened, just as in our own world, we cannot turn away from the horrors of what is happening around us. And perhaps by being awake, by being present to what we see, we will hear God's voice in the end. Perhaps we just need to do some more theological gymnastics to work our way through this story. In some ways, the gospel we hear today is an easier one to consume. We are called to welcome, to show hospitality to others, to strangers. A strange contrast to the story we heard last week where, God told us, where Jesus told us that we would be turning father against son, mother against daughter. And this week we're being told to welcome the stranger. Scripture continually gives us conundrums and messages that can feel in contrast. And in fact, that is the world that we live in. Stay awake to the realities of the world, to the political backdrops, to the social change. We cannot turn away. We cannot sanitize or hide our eyes. Perhaps we can say, here I am, and learn how to hear and seek out God's voice, how to wrestle with our own faith, even when it challenges us, even when it is wholly and completely uncomfortable. Even at the end of Abraham's life, he had something to learn, to be in relationship with God. 
It is never too late for us to wrestle. It is never too late for us to change or grow. And I pray our world can change with it. Amen. We continue together in our bulletin on page 9, professing our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we enjoy our offertory today, I remind you that this is the time where we lift up our time, treasure, and talents to God that the work we do here at Emmanuel is supported because of the ways in which you support the church. We have made text to give available for you during the offertory, during any time really, not just the offertory. You can text to give any time you feel like. And the instructions to do so are in our bulletin. We give thanks to God for all we have given and all we have received.
Thank you for that beautiful offertory. We continue together in our bulletin. Show us your mercy, O Lord. And grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O Lord, in all the world. For only in you can we live in safety. Lord, keep this nation under your care. And guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known upon earth. Your saving help among all nations. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten. Nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God. And sustain us with your Holy Spirit. Almighty God, you have built your church upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Grant us so to be joined together in unity of spirit by their teaching, that we may be made a holy temple acceptable to you through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. O God, you make us glad with the weekly remembrance of the glorious resurrection of your Son, our Lord. Give us this day such blessings for our worship of you, that the week to come may be spent in your favor, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life, we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Unmute, David. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Grant, almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours, especially those having birthdays this week. Beth Goodman, Bonnie Threckeld, Dave Mullins, Tom Helsel, Campbell Parkinson, Lauren Silvers, Jeanette Peterson, Madison Grumley, and grant that we may serve Christ in them 
and love one another as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our yeah. prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, especially Gail Wollstone, Kathy Klein, Niall Clark, yeah. Ron Amber, Diane Goodman, Lorna Hamill, Joyce Hedges, Hannah Hooper, Peter Mackenheimer, Michael Miller, Sue Rollins, Karen Rowley, Ron Smith, Vicki Smith, Don Snow, Lillian Snow, William Victory, Bob Hayward, Michael Wandell, Julie Wiegand, and Peter Wiley. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We commend to your mercy all who have died, especially Richard Hall, Reverend John Allen, Edna May Flowers Campanile, Katie Hayward, Frank Nemec, and those who mourn, that your will for them may be fulfilled. And we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. I offer up prayers in our chat for Julie Ralph, Tom Ralph, mercy for those who are incarcerated, homeless, and dying alone, and for all the prayers spoken and unspoken on our hearts and minds, and for all who suffer. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen. Together we say the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation preservation and for all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you in the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen.
Almighty God, you've given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you, and you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.